Welcome to the Lebanon Filter podcast, a podcast aimed at bringing you what is happening in Lebanon, no filter. My name is George, and this is episode four of what we hope to be many talk sessions in English about Lebanon, what's happening, the who, what, when, where, and why. Joining me today are Ed and Joe. Welcome, boys. Thanks for joining me today. Pretty exciting times. As we all know, I think the last 24 to 48 hours probably consumed many people with the uh, US elections that are currently underway. As we do this recording, we do not have a uh, winner, whether it's a Biden win, a Trump win, still yet to be seen. Does this affect Lebanon? I think this one thing I want to talk about today, how does it affect Lebanon? Does it matter if Trump wins? Does it matter if Biden wins? Is one better than the other in regards to Lebanon or just the policy in general stays the same in regards to Lebanon. I want to talk about that and then I want to link it with the recent negotiations with Israel and the maritime borders. Uh, I want to go into that as well. So I'll try to stay topical as we always do. has been a little bit of a gap between our last podcast. A few things have happened. The reason why I bring up US elections, guys, is because in the recent, uh, let's say, month, approximately, there has been that chatter about we're waiting to see what happens with the US elections, upcoming US elections, and that's when we'll see things moving in Lebanon. Uh, What we have seen in Lebanon recently uh, has been a quiet of of sorts. No more soda. Don't hear them anymore. The Israel and the Lebanese uh, negotiations have opened up in regards to the maritime border. So there's a few things there. We've got US elections waiting for the result. Either winner, does it affect Lebanon? How does it, what happens after these elections? I'm going to hand it over to you guys and get your opinions because there has been a quiet of sorts in Lebanon um, and there's a feeling that after the elections, you know, things are going to sort of ramp up again. And reminder, again, we still do not have a government. So I'm not sure who wants to go first. I might start with Joe. Joe, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. What are your thoughts, my friends? Hey, George. Uh, yes, definitely a lot happening. Um, as you know, I'd like to look at things from uh, three different perspectives and uh, segments. So uh, starting from the international segment, let's look at what's happening in the United States. Literally, we, we're in, in the time of no decision making. Everyone's put everything on hold and they're waiting for, for the result. Who's going to be the next president of the United States? And we usually know that Americans' foreign policy is not going to change a lot towards the the Middle East. They've got their stable points and uh, sort of uh, mainstream policy that they always uh, adapt or adopt in in the area. With that in mind, it's going to be a little bit different while keeping the same tools of work uh, that are currently making the the American policy or Republican uh, Party, such as Vichenka and uh, David Hale, or towards people and uh, definitely a lot more time to, to put things into action. So instead of keeping up the pressure, trying to achieve or score some points, and then a few weeks or month, everything's be put on hold until uh, January when uh, when Biden administration, if Biden ends up winning, uh, will come into play. So um, that's from the American perspective. That's also having a lot of different approaches in, in Lebanon and in the area. Um, as you know, regionally, there's a big clash happening uh, with uh, between Turkey and France and that's sort of uh, being reflected in Lebanon on the French initiative and and Turkey using some of its uh, tools and instruments to put sticks in the wheels uh, and just put everything on on hold. That translates locally in um, putting the whole government on hold, the government formation. As we know, 
after a year of uh, the revolution, Prime Minister Hariri was uh, nominated again to form that government as if nothing happened, as if uh, the people didn't go on to the streets to protest and, and uh, kick the whole regime, the whole ruling party out. Everything went back to normal. And now the formation of the Lebanese government is, is going through the same loops uh, and hoops that we've, uh, we're used to from previous years. Like the discussion is now around having a cabinet of 18 ministers or 20 ministers. With 18 ministers, the, the Druze will end up with one ministry. Otherwise, it will, if it jumps to 20, that will give the Druze two seats and an extra seat for the Roman Catholics. Uh, Hariri is, is against uh, the 20, the 20, the number 20, because uh, adding these two seats will give a little bit of extra power to the president, with that extra Druze seat going to Talal al-Islam, who's a, uh, an ally for, for the president and sort of the, the Hezbollah side. And an extra Catholic also will be uh, amongst the president's selection. So Harry is pushing for 18. The president is leaning more towards 20. This is where, where we're at now. However, everyone is sort of in, in belief that everything is going to be put on hold until we, we know who's going to be the next president-elect of the United States. Why? Why do we do that? Now. Why do we do that, Joe? Why does the uh, president of the United States the, uh, make such a difference? You said yourself that it doesn't because really create any change in Lebanon. So why are we waiting? Unfortunately, the, the solving the Lebanese issues is always uh, someone in the, in the regional area has the key to that. And, and the regional players also lean on the international players to, to make decisions. Um, in, in that instance, in this case, uh, for example, Iran might be putting bets on uh, Biden's return. As we know, Biden was the former vice president of the Obama administration. President Obama went uh, to an agreement with Iran, gave like some sort of authority in the, in the region. And the Iranians might be putting their bets on, on a Biden. if Biden returns, they'll be in a better position in, in the region. And accordingly, uh, the, the, the parties in Lebanon that have that are under the Iranian influence would be in a better position and a better uh, negotiating uh, position. That is also reflected, unfortunately, a new uh, revolution, people. Like, this is, uh, this is how I see things. Uh, I've noticed that the people have left the streets. Like, the people have a sort of a feeling of, they, they're, they're sort of disappointed, deflated, um, and angry, sometimes tired because of Harry return. But they've definitely left the streets. We do not see any um, rebels anymore. That might be linked in the background to the, the, the current pressure that the United States is putting on Lebanon to enter into negotiations with Israel through that, that maritime, maritime uh, borders. And uh, sort of giving the last card and buying some time for the ruling regime to enter into negotiations and um, promote themselves. As if they're doing what the U.S. is asking them to do, the U.S. will, will look much uh, in, a, in a much better shape. Uh, the, the next U.S. president will, uh, uh, will be chasing um, a historic picture or something, an achievement to do um, that will go down in history books. And at the same time, the Lebanese uh, ruling regime will get time um, with, with no rebels on the streets. That's mm -hmm. how I see it. That's how I'm, I'm trying to um, uh, make some, uh, like, understand the situation on yeah, how and why the, the revolution just uh, stopped all of a sudden. It has just stopped all of a sudden. I'm going to take this opportunity, thanks, uh, Joe, to move on to Ed. Ed, 
picking up off on a couple a couple of things that Joe said, the revolution has stopped. Do you reckon that's got a link to uh, what's happening in the US right now, elections, or were these the guys that were pushing what was happening in the streets in Lebanon, pushing the soldier to get to a point? This is what I was understanding from Joe. Uh, the whole point of the soldier was, was it someone pushing from behind to get to a point where we're now sitting with Israel talking about borders? Is this what's happened? That's what I understood. Am I wrong there? Hey, George. Um, it's great to be back uh, after a couple of weeks off. And, geez, a lot has happened the last couple of weeks, um, mm -hmm. starting from, I guess, what's happening right at the moment with the Lebanese negotiations on the maritime border and also the... Uh, forensic audit, which has been, which actually I think the breaking news from tonight is actually the president sat with the finance minister, Ghazi Wazni, and Riyad Salema, who's the head of the central bank, and they've agreed to extend the, uh, the, the signing date for the forensic audits another three months to allow the Lebanese central bank to clarify some, or to provide the additional information that was requested by um, the two international companies that are going to undertake the forensic audit, which are Alvarez and Marcel. And on the international uh, stage, we've had the US federal elections, which are now over, and the counting the votes. When we were talking last night, it was looking like Trump was ahead. But now after a day has passed, it looks like Biden's going to win. And I think mm -hmm. the big difference in the voting was because the pre-poll votes were counted last. Yep. And um, in the pre-polling, the Democrats uh, did a lot better than the Republicans. And some of the states that were looking quite likely to swing the Republicans have actually turned back to Democrats. So all, all this has happened in the last two or three weeks since we... We spoke last, so wow, there's a lot to catch up on too. Definitely, definitely. So starting, with, starting with your first point, George, uh, American uh, foreign policy. Uh, I agree with Joe. The American foreign policy doesn't differ significantly between Republicans and Democrats, and nor should it. Any uh, uh, respectable democratic country will have its foreign interests at the heart of its foreign policy, and that would be the same for, for any party that took power in, in a respected democratic country um, like the US. What changes between the, the two parties, at least in the US, is the technique that they go about achieving the strategy, the big picture goal. Hmm. Um, and there are some nuances between the Republicans and the Democrats. As Joe alluded to previously, the technique on how they deal with Iran, the Republicans, at least recently with Donald Trump were preferring a, a stick approach where they would you know, put stronger sanctions on Iran to pressure Iran to accept a better deal for the US. As in the Democrats were looking for a, a softer carrot policy where they would give them incentives to accept a deal that would um, help US in the region. But the, the bigger picture are both parties want some kind of deal that protects the US interests in the region. What are they in? Um, so the U.S. interests in the region are, I guess, first and foremost, um, the security of Israel, the resources. America has big interests in Iraq and Saudi Arabia, more recently in Libya, Sudan, all these oil-rich Arab countries, um, Kuwait, Qatar. The American companies have strong interests. They also have a strong interest in, in selling arms to the Middle East. So it's, it's in you know, the, the recent war in Yemen 
has been very profitable for the US, as Donald Trump says proudly that he was, be, he was able to sell hundreds of billions of dollars in arms to Saudi Arabia. And for that, the US people should thank Saudi Arabia for that. Um, and, on, and those arms were just to kill fellow Arabs in, in Yemen. So that's a big exporting industry for the US, which, which brings in a lot of revenue, which is quite important. And as you know, George and Joe, unfortunately, the Middle East is, is never short of wars. So there's always a market for um, I was going to US say that. Is, that. is that part of the US strategy as well, to make sure there always is a war? I mean, if you've got no customers, you're not selling any weapons. So do they somewhat ensure that there's always some conflict so that they are selling weapons? Of course, a byproduct to the other things that they have as their priority as well. Like you said, the security of Israel and, you know, obviously the oil that's there. Uh, speaking of which, you know, Lebanon this year... Um, probably go down yeah. as a massive thing but uh, we're now i get uh, we were chatting before weren't we ed i'll let you say it yeah on the arms issue with the us i don't want to go into it too much george there's been many books written about it <laughs> uh, we, we could we could spend a whole session but i prefer to go back to lebanon after sort of uh, providing the background um, so where are we in, in lebanon i think the last three weeks for a lot of lebanese people um they're, they're really disappointed to be honest, George. We, we've seen a year of so-called uprising. Some people call it a folder. Some people call it a, a civil uprising, uh, protest, rebellion. It had so many really nice slogans um, at the start uh, and it brought the hopes of many people. I mean, slogans that it would be hard to find any Lebanese that would disagree with. You know, they want to fight corruption. They want accountability. They want a secular state. They want jobs. I mean, we, we're living in Australia and we, we've seen the benefit in hard times where the government helps the people. And the Lebanese people are no different. They, they want that support from the government. They want the government to do its job. And um, these were the slogans that were held and it was quite attractive. And to be frank, I think a lot of people had hope in the first couple of days. And then slowly, slowly over the last year, the, the so-called uprising has really played out to show what it truly is at the moment, which is quite disappointing. And what, what's really disappointed the people is over the last year, what started out with some really good slogans, everything that the protests, or the uprising movement has done in the last year, except for the first couple of days, has been the exact opposite of the slogans that they put forth. And I'll explain that, George. So first of all, if you want accountability and if you want change and reform and if you want anti-corruption, how do you achieve that? There's two ways you can do it. You can do it through violence and you can have a violent revolution where you go in, the army comes in and it, it chops the heads off, you know, all the politicians and all the, the bankers and all that and something equivalent to, you know, the, the Islamic revolution in Iran that they saw in 1979. Or you can have a peaceful revolution. And if you want a peaceful revolution, what you need to do is the people need to be protesting to the government and to the judiciary to actually implement reforms and do their jobs. So it shouldn't be protesting to stop them, to bring down the government. It should actually be protesting for the government to take action. So the first big mistake was they brought down the government and the, and the reason that they provided was that it was a corrupt government and that this government was accountable for all the problems of the past. Okay. And they named Saad Hadidi was the first one to resign. And then they brought this slogan, that all the people who have been involved in the government are guilty. Now, if you look 
at deeper down why why that's the case well who who's been involved in the government and who's who are the parties that are refusing to sign you know the reform deals so in the last 15 years or at least in the last 10 years there's been a lot of good policies that have been put forward into the parliament a lot of genuine uh, requests for for example for uh, auditing the finance system in lebanon there were many parties that were rejecting that but there was also parties that were putting that forward um, so that it could get passed in the parliament and then they could do this change so by bringing down the government <clears throat> all that went to standstill anyway so they brought in a new government and that government tried to you know that that government was somewhat independent it wasn't involved in the political parties um, but the problem with that is it had no parliamentary support so when it tried to do anything genuine it was just it was brought down by the parliament because it didn't have its support so why are the people frustrated and pissed off because after one year of protesting the economy has been destroyed joblessness has gone through the roof the lebanese lira has been devalued billions of dollars have been taken out of the central bank us dollars and sent overseas we've had a, an explosion in the port of beirut which has killed many people and and destroyed thousands of houses around beirut and there's been no accountability and then just in the last week hadid has decided that he's going to come back to the prime ministry and all the majority of the parliament has supported that and the thawra who were against you know all the old ways or against all the corrupt ways have have disappeared from the street so i guess the the conspiracy that that many people have had were all along was that the thawra had a foreign agenda and that the political parties that were behind the corruption who were against the change in reform efforts were the ones who were sparking the protest from what we've seen in the last couple of weeks it's obvious that that's the case that there there was no there was no real folder it was just an effort of internal forces corrupt political parties to stop change and reform in the country and they did that by destroying any effort to bring them down i'll i'll go into a bit more detail into why they've done this but i'll i'll hand it over to Joe, if he wants to. Yeah, well, and uh, Joe, I want to make one note. Though. I mean, I, I noticed that you said the you know, no real thawra, and I want to be sensitive. I want to take a little bit of a sensitive approach there because there are, like you said, people that are hurting, people that are worried, people have lost jobs, have lost homes, etc. No money, can't get access to money. So there is still that element of uh, anger, but I don't think it's being funneled the right way. And that's, I think, that's what you mean by a failed thawra. Really, there is no thawra. because they haven't been able to do anything but there are people like you said in government asking for exactly what these people want we have gone on on about this in the in a couple of the previous episodes as well but i'm wondering now have the people woke up um because i still feel like it always goes back to sectarian lines and um you know who the voice supported all their lives and stuff like that uh ed i can see you want to jump back in for one more second now i'll let you do that before we go back Just over to Just before I go to Joe I- just when we say a thawra what what's the end game in the thawra okay millions of people if they were to protest in the street then what mm. you've still got do you do you respect the parliament or not do you want to get rid of the judges or not how how do you want to implement change like having a million people on the street is not going to do anything yeah, change I'd... comes through the parliament and yeah. it comes through the judiciary yeah. in a I'd... democratic state 
the alternative is a violent revolution. Mm -hmm. I'm just interested to see where's the logic and, and how do you implement the Thawra if it's not through the judiciary and the parliament? Over to Joe. Joe? Sure. Yes, so uh, again, back back to the US elections and just trying to put things into perspective there. When, when you watch the TV, you see the Republican Party and the Democratic Party saying that this is our view and this is what we're going to do if we if you are elected, this is what we're going to do to a better America. While in Lebanon, you don't see that anyone looking after the, the Lebanon, like uh, the, the concept of the state has been uh, diluted, totally diluted. We, we, we're really experiencing a lack of uh, trust in the state and everyone unfortunately is uh, the warlord slash political leader slash sectarian leader. Every, everyone is just hiding behind their leaders and those leaders have their agendas before the national interest agenda. There's a, a really a few leaders that are trying to make a difference there, but unfortunately coming back to, to, the, to the Lebanese puzzle, they are seen as leaders of a certain party or group, or sometimes they're Christians or they're Sunnis or they're, they're Shiites. They're not seen as national leaders that are trying to create something for this country. Another problem that, that I'm seeing as well is um, compared to, to let's you're seeing that they're, they're fighting to take control of the House of Representatives and the Congress, because whenever you win or that rules and a minority that tries to block or put things into perspective, Unfortunately, in Lebanon, we've been living for the past 20, 30 years in sort of a hybrid regime. Even though you win an election, you cannot actually achieve right to um, come, come up with, with agreements with the other parties. Um, and, and that really um, dilutes all the work and, and all the achievements that you're trying to push. Because if, if everyone had the same agenda, why are you trying to push reforms? Like against who? So going back to the revolution that is currently happening in the country, there's there's definitely a need for it. The the revolution was was called for like twenty or and thirty years ago. Um, we definitely need those reforms, political reforms, economical reforms, but we need the key players to drive these reforms. Um, I've always had my money on the judges, but unfortunately, among Two, three hundred judges, we, we can only see a couple uh, really in the media trying to do something. And they're always attacked because sometimes they they like hit the, hit the nail on its head and sometimes they miss it. And whenever they miss it, you've got all this propaganda and, and media campaign against them. Like there's one thing that, that we know for sure from our daily life. Uh, you only make mistakes when you actually work if you don't work you don't make mistakes mm. so we're trying to build a country if you're trying to build a country mistakes are gonna uh, come in and we we shouldn't be scared to make mistakes but we should have some sort of um, a vision towards the, the future uh, some sort of a program and this is what people are waiting now from from the rebel leaders if there's any leaders to see or show us some sort of a vision and try to start the change from within there's a lot of people now that are in power I'm gonna name the the Free Patriotic Movement, who have actually submitted a few like um, agree not agreements, a, a few laws in the Parliament to try to reform some bad behaviors and and capture some of that money that was transferred in the last year 
overseas. So, so what would, uh, what they would really forward? like to see some some traction there. And sorry, John, cut you off there because I want the, the yeah, listeners to know because I, I know they're brought up. To... I know these guys are sorry to cut you off again, but I know these guys just so the listeners know. But I know these guys are always brought up and always attacked. But they're asking for exactly, from what, I, from what I see, they're asking for exactly what the people want. And if you correct me if I'm wrong, they want to open up the bank accounts. They want an audit. They want to return the stolen money. But is, isn't, that the, isn't that the problem? Isn't that what everyone wants? And really, in a nutshell, uh, money and the national debt is probably like a, one of the biggest chunks when it comes to the problems of Lebanon. Why aren't these people getting the support then? Because what Ed said was right, I think, in that you can kick everyone out. But that's only good if you're willing, willing to step in and take it over yourself. But we've seen a year of solder, but no one actually standing up. There's a lot of screaming and shouting, a lot of breaking, a lot of burning tires, as we've mentioned again in, in the past. But no one actually stood up. So I agree with Ed is that you don't protest to kick them all out. You protest for them to actually do something. And you might want to start with the people that are actually trying to do the things that you want. In this case, Joe, I'll let you take over from here. But... You said it, the free patriotic money, but are trying to do that. So why aren't they getting the support? What have they put forward? And why would we object? Why would we would be silly enough to object to what they want? Because of simply enough, because the, the revolution is is made out of different groups with different agendas and different priorities. And all of them agree on how we should uh, get to that change or make those reforms. And, and um, unfortunately, they, they're still looking at the free patriotic movement as, as a member uh, of this regime. And um, funny enough, uh, 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 responsible for most of the corruption that happened from the other side, uh, the party, the free patriotic movement is uh, calling all these uh, rebels into um, a really a, a, a quite a frank discussion. And they're, they're telling him that this, these, these laws are put in for the benefit of all the Lebanese people. And we are the first people like the first ministers or MPs to reveal uh, our bank accounts and uh, be um, really visible into what we did and how we worked uh, in in our career. So fortunately, there are many uh, parties and many groups, and they're, they're not able to agree. Uh, some some of them are manipulated by different agendas. Others um, are really scared to, to come out and agree with. Um, one group of the Lebanese diverse. Um, we, we do not have the time or the resources uh, or the capabilities to do that. Like the, the constitution doesn't allow you to just remove everything and, and start from a blank canvas. Um, and, and we've seen a lot of examples in the area and in the world previously where you rip out the whole regime and try to install something new from, from nothing. You're going to run into a lot of problems. Unfortunately, the economical situation that we're in now doesn't allow us to or give us that sort of, that sort of uh, time and opportunity. We need to change and we need to change from, from within. We need to start to consider options and, and pressure groups to create or put pressure on these tools to, to come to, to life. We've got the forensic auditing now that is highlighted in the, in the media. We need to, to really put a lot of pressure. The, I'd love to see all the rebels back in the streets now pushing for this uh, forensic audit to be certified and, and um, for the uh, like 
the bank du Liban providing all the needed documents to to the auditors to get their job done and and this will be a right move in the right direction in towards pointing fingers as who is responsible for all this mess that we're in now and uh, from there on we, there's a lot of uh, different steps that can be taken to uh, solidify and and fortify the uh, the next movement and the next reforms really needed to to start the real change in the country. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Ed, I'll get you to jump in here, mate, to pick up off uh, pick up off Joe. Yeah, no, it's interesting points. Just it's also worth reflecting that it's actually it's been four years past now since the president has been president on has been in power, and I see all the the so-called revolution and instability that we're seeing in in the country um, has come about because of the actions that the president and the political party that he uh, used to lead, the Free Patriot Movement, has has done. And I'll, I'll explain that. So when the president came to power, for the first time we've had in, probably in Lebanon's history, we've had a president who has had very large public support and if, correct me if I'm not mistaken, Joe, the biggest uh, parliamentary bloc in the history of Lebanon that supports the president. So for the first time, we've had an opportunity for the president to actually implement their, his will or her will, if, if we had a female, on the direction of Lebanon. Now, the question is, why, why the instability? Well, the president, when he came to power, actually put a lot of things on the table that were previously taboo subjects. So he brought with him 18 very large corruption files to the courts, and he committed himself that he would be signing off decrees for those corruption files to be implemented. We're talking about corruption files on the port, on the casino, on the Middle Eastern airlines, on medicine, on lost funds, wasted funds over the years. These were subjects that the mafia state that had ruled Lebanon for 30 years would be impossible to even mention. Now you have a president who has put it as his agenda to make these uh, changes through the courts. So not just by accusations, files were submitted to the court and the president was committing to make sure that these files were properly reviewed and the courts take action. That in itself in Lebanon is a declaration of internal war. The mafia state, let's, let's, let's not kid ourselves. I'll give you the names. The mafia state that was brought in by Berre, Hariri, Jumblat, that were brought in by the Syrian, Syrian in 1990 with the undercover support by Christian puppets who refused to, to um, who were bought Lebanese forces, Sleiman Frangia, feudal lords across Lebanon like Sketh in Zahle, Mur in Matin, anyone that they could buy they're all part of this mafia state. They brought in their own judges. They brought in their own police force. They brought in their own religious institution. They'd named the sheikh. They'd named the priest. All this state, the mafia state, is now being threatened for its life because someone is saying that we're going to expose all these files. Now, when you do that to a mafia state, what do you expect the reaction to be? Mm. Exactly right. Yeah, we, we've watched the Godfather. It's actually um, times. You know, they want to of... blow things up. They want to kill things. Now I'll just continue, George. 
Sure. I mean, you know, now we've had three months since the explosion of the port. All this has time has passed and no action. No one's been persecuted. The explosion happened two weeks after the forensic audit deal was signed. Two weeks after. Is that hmm. not a coincidence? So you're saying something's maybe being hidden? Who knows? That's one of those things always... I, I, I don't even think it's a conspiracy. I think it's obvious. It's a mafia hmm. state which is fighting for its life because for the first time in 30 years, you have a genuine effort to implement change and reform and accountability. And they are scared for their lives. But are the people seeing that? Absolutely in? petrified. The people are seeing some of that. Um, but unfortunately, because the mafia state is so strong, it, it has so many levels. I mean, the mafia state owns the media. The mafia, mafia state own all the big businesses. So when you're a normal citizen and the currency has been deflated and you're without job, and you get this mafia leader, like in The Godfather, telling you, I'll give you a job. Come kiss my feet. A lot of the Lebanese people will do that. They are desperate. Mm. When you're desperate, when you have you sectarian do... leaders where you need to get benefit, you need to go to your religious institution to sign a paper. When the mafia state owns the religious institutions, they're going to influence people, no doubt about it. And they, mm. they, can, they can get you in so many ways. But what we see today is it's black and white. The, what some people the, see the it. push from the president, which is, I, I, think, I think more and more people are seeing it, uh, George. I mean, and the forensic audit, the attack on the forensic audit has really showed which, which politicians, which forces in Lebanon <laughs> are corrupt mm. and which mm. ones want change. Because the forensic audit, what is it in, in simple terms? It's getting an external company that's not based in Lebanon, who's not going to fix the books because they're getting paid by a Lebanese politician, a, re a reputable Western company to do an audit of the central bank of Lebanon's books mm -hmm. and let, let everything be exposed. If someone has stolen, let it be shown. And if someone's innocent, it will be shown as well. Why do we see this ruthless and relentless attack by Birre, Jumbla, Hariri, Frangia, and all these these forces that were in power for the last 30 years against this audit because they're fearing for their lives, George. And the person that put, if it was a Kulun Yani Kulun thing and, the, and the, the, the revolutionary people were right, why would someone install an audit if they themselves were thieves? It, seems, uh, it would seem silly. I mean, if I was a thief, I wouldn't be putting in an audit to look at me, would I? No, and, I, and that's exactly right. And that's, and that's why a lot of Lebanese people, George, you don't see them on the street anymore. I mean, th there's no one protesting and they start mm. protesting in large numbers day five of the revolution because it, it's, it's been exposed that the people on the ground that were, you know, blocking streets, like in the days of the civil war where you had militias check your IDs, these people are the furthest thing from the revolution. These are, these are militias, former militia lords that have been brought back into their natural place Lebanese forces, Haragat Amal movement, the, the forces associated with the future movement, these kind of behaviours are, are typical for a militia. The normal person, they, they could see this has got nothing to do with a revolution. Well, we'll see what happens. That, I'm that, gonna... that, I'll just, before I go off, George, I, <clears> I, <throat> I focused on why the internal attack against the president. Mm. 
there is also an external factor. And I think it's very important to, to speak about that as well, because all the instability we have seen in the country also has an external factor to it. It's not just the internal mafia that are putting this pressure. They have support from international powers. And why? You know, why is there that interference? Um, I think the recent signing of the maritime borders is the answer to that, George. Mm -hmm. And we saw in the presidency of Michel Aoun, for the first time in Lebanon's history, Lebanon, through its government, has demanded its rights to its natural resources. Lebanon has had these reasons for over 100 years, known about them, but no former president or government has had the courage to stand up on the international stage and demand its rights for these. So you're saying this president now has turned Lebanon essentially into an oil player? Yes, and we have, uh, we have Turkish and French and American companies and Russian companies doing exploration and negotiating about rights for blocks in the, in the water. This is a real thing, and this is a game changer for Lebanon. Mm. In the Middle East, <laughs> as you know, George and Joe, yeah. your natural resources can, you know, the big powers don't respect your rights to these natural resources. And in the past, it was even spelt out in black and white in 1956 when Abdul Nasser said that he wanted to nationalise the Suez Canal. England said that this is a declaration of war against England. <laughs> because according to you know big powers, your natural resources belong to us. Yeah, they're, they're always going to want a piece of the resources. pie. So Lebanon doing that is a big step forward, saying that Lebanon is an independent, strong state that has its own rights. And the president did that as well on other issues. He said that the Syrian and Palestinian refugees that are in Lebanon need to return to their homeland. That is that has never been said by a Lebanese president. Right. Why do we have the ex external war against Lebanon? Because they want to pressure Lebanon to accept the deal, whether it be with the refugees or with its natural resources, which is not within the benefit of Lebanon. And mm -hmm. what when the international community wants to put pressure, how do they do that? They stir puppets on the ground. They throw money at media. They throw money at so-called civil groups to cause strife. They also put external pressure by putting sanctions on your country, deflating your currency, putting banking pressure. And this is, this is what we're seeing on the ground. We're seeing the, the, the mafia state getting used to support in black and white the American and Israeli agenda. And then you have the, the banking system getting pressured as well. So... Mm. <laughs> I extended a bit too long, George, because I wanted to really clarify that no. there's an internal and an external aspect to what we're seeing on the ground. 100%. I'm going to switch over to Joe. I do have one question, though. You just slightly touched on it when you opened up uh, on what the president has done. I've got a question from a listener from, uh, from last week. I mean, we all know that Hariri is back. I think it's uh, sixth time lucky now. I've got one question from uh, from a Listener that's asking, why is there no term limits for the prime minister, but they put a term limit on the president? Maybe I'll get Joe to answer that as we cross to him. Joe, why can Hariri come back six times, but someone like the president can't be re-elected? This is uh, one of uh, main discussed points, but in, uh, sort of gives, um, uh, not powers, because the powers were not removed from the Christian president and given to the Sunni prime minister, but were given to the cabinet total. However, that that would give a certain um, 
push into the prime minister to uh, lead some sort of a career or, or a certain Sunni majority uh, in and out of power for more than, than one time, basically. It's always been the case uh, ever since Lebanon was born, since the 1943, from before the Taif Agreement. But uh, the problem that I wanted to highlight with that is that the Taif Accord didn't put timelines onto how, how long can the prime minister take or the, the nominated prime minister, which I think we should look into moving forward because mm. we like we cannot wait for six months until uh, basically uh, Hariri or someone else decides that it's time to get the job done and, and get the cabinet up and running. Uh, we, we need some sort of timelines that, that govern that uh, move. How long has Hariri been going now, Joe? We still don't have a government? Uh, I believe it's been four weeks. Four Around weeks. Four so, weeks now. So almost a month. So you'd say, uh, logic would say that, you know, in any... Uh, uh, look, look, it, it it won't take long. Uh, that's that's so what everyone's hoping for. But again, we, we can see that sort of the Quattro coalition uh, forming again, whenever, whenever you want to take a, a stand or move towards something, you mysteriously all the different parties come back together and, and uh, form that coalition. We saw it happen in the 1990 when uh, Berre, Jumblat, Hariri, uh, with the help of the Syrians and the backing of the Lebanese forces, um, uh, in, uh, like implied the, the new Taif Accord. We saw it again back in 2005 when uh, General Aoun came in during the elections and we saw Hezbollah, Berre, Hariri, Jumblat, with the Lebanese forces voting next hand in hand, basically to to form that ring of steel and um, um, like keep keep the free patriotic movement out of um, out of government and uh, get them to to lose the elections, and we, we saw it again now, like um, after thirty years again and after uh, fifteen years from two thousand five, we saw it again with uh, with Berre and and Hezbollah jumping in the same ship. With, with Hariri and Jumblat and uh, just forming that coalition. Um, Lebanese forces were kept out. Maybe they'll, they'll introduce them at a later stage, give them some scraps to, to get them to provide the Christian cover. Um, but unfortunately, um, it is a, a little bit of a disappointment other parties parties in the country and, and the, the revolution to a certain extent, putting everything aside and uh, going back again as if nothing has happened and uh, going again about the partitioning of the cheese in between them, blocking any parliament members or uh, in the future cabinet, because by the looks of it, it's also going to be a political cabinet, unfortunately. Now, um, I want to end on, on one note from, from my from my part. I believe we everyone's got really um, high hopes on uh, the president's signature, because that's the only thing that keeping us from uh, getting um, a, a misfire on, on the government. So that's the last uh, of the powers that the, the president has now. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to make sure that the forensic audit gets a green light and make sure that the reforms are up and running before that signature takes place and before the new government is in power. That's mm. that's the trade that the media has been talking on now. <laughs> When you say the trade, uh, who's who's asking for that? Uh, who's saying that? I'm not. Is the president saying for it? And that last. Sorry, Joe. Look, uh, at at the end of the day, the the play now, yeah, the, the play now is that uh, the negotiations happening between the different parties and um, kept away. Like, and uh, 
they unfortunately whenever he steps in to to get a bit of an understanding of what's happening and what Hariri is cooking with the other, as Ed said, the mafia leaders, the the president and and its consecutive party, the Free Patriotic Movement, are always blamed to be uh, the people putting the sticks in the wheels and uh, just blocking everything, which is a behavior, unfortunately, that is not uh, showing us like good incentives towards the future. So um, I believe that if in the future, like in, in the interest of time and in the interest of saving that French initiative, Lebanon needs a cabinet and, and the president might, I think, might uh, uh, facilitate the formation of that cabinet without looking too deep into the, the names and, and um, different ministries that are designated to him. In return, they'll, uh, they'll have to commit that the forensic audit will take place and according to the terms that are accepted by the, the people and the president and the initial terms that Hassan Diab's uh, former government agreed upon before Ghazi Wazni, the minister of finance, changed everything and, and uh, rejected all the clauses into their favor, basically. Easy. All right. So we're going to better wrap up, boys. Thanks again for uh, joining me today. In summary, correct me if I'm wrong, the US elections will pretty much not have too much of a change on what's happening in Lebanon. We're still without a government. Hopefully the next time we speak, we'll have one. Joe's last point was an important one in that uh, the president's signature sounds like it will be dependent on uh, a forensic audit, independent forensic audit being agreed upon. And that I hope will be a good thing for Lebanon. It has to be a good thing for Lebanon. We'll get the, the wheels rolling because as again, Joe and Ed have mentioned, you know, it's, uh, it's always the dissecting of the cheese everyone gets their peace between all the, the the usual suspects and i think the people do want that change boys is it a final word i don't know if you want to add anything else before we say good night to everyone but before we do i just want to remind everyone please find us on facebook uh, we finally got a question in from a from one of our listeners we do have, we are having a very good uh success rate from the sounds of it um from the looks of it as well from the stats that uh you know the software pumps back out to us there are people listening we hope you are getting some um, knowledge from the from the gentleman that you hear with me here on the podcast uh, we try to give you an update of what's happening and and a bit of background as to why because when you're talking about 30 40 years of mess it's very hard in one show to um to explain it all hopefully you're getting it in those bits and pieces and now starting to connect the dots again please give us some feedback ask us some questions um, if you if there's anything in particular i want to speak about please let us know. Joe and Ed, to our guys that are listening before we go. To sum it up for me, George, in the last little bit, we're at a historic time in, for Lebanon at the moment. It's really all or nothing at the moment. Uh, the president's initiative for this forensic audit, it's a real opportunity for Lebanon to open its books, clean out the rust, the corruption, and get things back up on the right track. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. If it can do that, all the positives of the French initiatives, financial aid, working with the IMF, trust of the international community is all there. Also it's there is the other thing that the president has put forward to its people uh, benefiting from the natural resources. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna do that with a corrupt state. We're gonna have another 30 years of lost opportunity. Today, all the revolutionaries are with the president. Everyone who's not with the president are against uh, change and reform and are pro-corruption. Thanks, Ed. 
Joe? Well, as as Ed said, we, we live in unprecedented times. It's um, uh, a very important time for, for Lebanon, the area and, and the world. We should start putting our ducks in a row and uh, stop wasting time. We don't have time to waste. The, the, the revolution, I think, has to think big, has to think on maybe maybe that'll be the topic for, for our next discussion, George. I'd like mm -hmm. to hear what our listeners think about that. But um, I feel like we need some sort of a change of uh, regime. Are we going to go towards the secular state that the President General Michel Aoun called for and we desperately need as uh, we're well into the 21st century and then people have uh, left their sectarian uh, origins behind or should we go back to a federation of different religions i'd love to hear what our listeners think mm -hmm. and um, i think that the the revolution and the, if we're thinking forward we should start to, to ask because uh, running into the same circles over and over again with the same people in power generating um, similar leaders into the future, whether they're from their, their own blood, their, their sons and, and cousins, or um, having a political regime that only creates similar uh, leaderships. I think that's a, these are valid questions to the future that we mm -hmm. need to start acting on now. We'll leave that with the listeners to think about. Are we brave enough to make the change that we all really, really do want? Again. Find us on Facebook, Lebanon Filter Podcast. Boys, thanks again for joining me tonight. That's been another episode, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you very much. Bye.